All right, so how many of you know it's really important to read the fine print before signing up for something like that? Have you ever been caught in uh, not exactly what you thought you had signed up for? Maybe it was a gym membership. Uh, maybe it was joining something else. Maybe it was buying a house or buying a car. And what they do is they take all the stuff they don't want you to know and they shove it into the fine print. And that way you won't go looking for it. And they make it all look pretty and nice and neat. And yeah, come in and you'll lose 30 pounds in two days. It's going to be amazing. But they don't want you to find out that it's also going to take like the blood of your firstborn son to get you out of that membership. They like to hide that stuff in there. A few years ago, my wife and I needed to buy a new car. And we needed to buy that wonderful thing that all of us love so much. My wife looked at me and said those beautiful six words, honey, let's go get a minivan. And something inside of me died that day. But we needed a new car. Mine was just not running real well at that point. And Ephraim was home. Ainsley was on the way. And as any of you parents know, kids come with a whole lot of stuff. It doesn't fit in a little car anymore. You need something a little bigger. So we went out and we looked for the minivan and we found the van that looked great for us. And we went out and did all the research and everything. And we felt really good about going and buying this van. And I didn't want Carla to worry about what would happen if it broke down, if anything went wrong with it. We were buying it used. I didn't have a whole lot of information on the history of it. And so we went ahead and we purchased the extended bumper-to-bumper -bumper warranty. Don't cringe yet. I'm not done with the story. <laughs> I thought we figured everything out about it. We asked a boatload of questions. We had them explain everything. We thought we read everything there was to find out about it. And so we went ahead and we purchased the, the warranty. About a year later, a couple things go wrong with the van. And only one thing was covered by that warranty, which was really confusing because I was convinced bumper to bumper meant something. And it did to them. It didn't mean the exact same thing to me. It wasn't exactly what I had signed up for. A little bit later, Something much larger went wrong with the van, and they found some way in that small print to get out of having to deal with it because they didn't want to have to make it what they hadn't signed up for. And so it just, it was not a great situation. I didn't take all the time I needed to read that fine print and figure out exactly what I was getting. Sometimes Christianity can feel like that just a little bit. Sometimes we can feel like we didn't exactly sign up for what we're going through or what we're experiencing, or what we're being asked to do in our lives. I mean, that's not what I signed up for. That's not at all what was presented to me. That's not the way it looked when I said, sure, I'll follow Jesus. But what we see this morning, we're going to be looking at the story where Jesus calls his first disciples, and invites them along on his journey. We find out that Jesus didn't try to hide anything in small print. He laid it all out right from the beginning. He said, look, I've got this agenda for you. You're going to follow me, and I'm going to make you something you're not. And I'm going to do it over a little period of time. And had he laid that out for me, I would have gone, okay, so he's going to make me more disciplined. He's going to make me more spiritual. He's going to make me a better person or a better father or a better husband. He's going to make me better at what I already am. And God says, no, no, if you follow me, I'm going to make you something you're not. And it's a little confusing and it's a little intimidating, but I'm going to do that for you. And for whatever reason... These four disciples, they get this and they go, okay, I'm on board. I'll totally do that. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter one, and let's take a look at what Jesus talked to them about. So Mark is right at the beginning of the New Testament. We've got these four stories of Jesus called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
And they're each the story of Jesus told from a slightly different angle. And so if you want the whole picture, I'd encourage you to read all of them, kind of put them all together. Mark is a great one to read because it's really short. If you've only got a little bit of time, Mark is the way to go. He gets rid of all of the color commentary and he just goes right for the facts. And that's it. He lays it all out and says, this is what happened. And so in Mark chapter one, we begin right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And in verse 14, we read, now later on, after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist, not John, Jesus' disciple, because he's not a disciple yet. Um, Jesus goes into Galilee where he preaches God's good news. And this is the message that Jesus is telling everybody. They're getting all worked up about. He says, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. And they would have been really excited about this. See, he's, he's talking to a primarily Jewish group and they had been under oppression for a very long time. First captivity, and then Rome comes in, takes over everything, but they are still oppressing the Jews. And a couple of hundred years before this, the Jews had been promised this idea of a Messiah, someone who is gonna come in and save them. And they thought, okay, so we just have to wait long enough and this guy's gonna come in and set us up as our own kingdom again. So that's what's in the back of their minds as Jesus is talking about this kingdom of God that is near. And Jesus says, repent of your sins and believe the good news. And they would have been okay with that too. Because repentance in the Old Testament was often followed by a huge move of God. Repent and I will heal you. Repent and I will save you. Repent and I will take you out of captivity. And so his, his audience is all on board for this. But Jesus takes this idea of repentance and looking for God's kingdom and twists it just a little bit. He says, here's why you need to repent. You need to repent because otherwise you're gonna miss what God is getting ready to do as he sets up this kingdom. So you have it all in your heads that it's this way and you're all focused on yourselves and you're focused on your sin and what you're doing wrong. And if you will repent and turn your eyes to God and what he has for you, then you will see what's coming. Then you will understand the kingdom that God is setting up. Have any of you ever seen a meteor shower? Okay, that's about what I figured. Have any of you had intentions to see a meteor shower? There's a lot more hands that way. Why don't we see them? When do meteor showers happen? Yeah, the middle of the night. It's never like 8.30. It's like two in the morning on a Tuesday. And so I have the best of intentions to go out and set my alarm and get up and go see it, but I always sleep through them. I have seen one meteor shower in my entire life, and it's because my amazing mother got me up as a child and said, come on, let's go out. She took me to this field where there were no lights and there was nothing around, and we went out and we got to see it, but I was awake and I was looking for it. Most of the time we sleep right through them. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is just like that. If you don't repent and look for what God is doing, you're gonna miss it, you're gonna sleep right through it. Verse 16, he gets done with his message. And as he's going by the Sea of Galilee, he sees Simon, and this is Peter later on in the New Testament, and Andrew, the brothers of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus says to them, follow me, and I will make you more spiritual. I will make you disciplined. I'll make you a better person. I'll make you more honest. I'll make you more holy. All of those things, we think that's what God wants to do with us. But Jesus says, no, if you follow me, I will make you something you're not. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And if I'm Peter, I say, what? You're gonna take me out of my family's work my livelihood, and you're going to make me come out and catch people? What in the world is that? But 
That's not what happens. In 18, they get up, they leave their nets, and at once they follow him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He calls them at once, and James and John were right there with Peter and Andrew, I'm going to get all their names right, because they were all fishing buddies. They were all part of the same business. So they were all working together. And Zebedee, their dad, was out there with them. And they leave their dad. And the four of them all get off and they go follow this guy. And their dad is left with the family business, minus four fishermen, and trying to figure out what exactly to do. They leave their nets and they go. And the really cool part is this. By the end of the Gospels, they become just that. They become fishers of men. See, God uses these four guys to take his story and take it to a new group of people. And that group takes it to a new group of people. And that group takes it to a new people. And that's why we hear that message today. And it wasn't just these four guys. God uses tax collectors and prostitutes. A woman who is married five different times. Demon-possessed people. Lepers, it's the outcast of society that no one will touch with a 10-foot pole. And they encounter Jesus and their immediate reaction is to turn around and go tell somebody else. That's the first thing most of them do. Throughout the New Testament, we see this correlation between following Jesus and fishing. And Jesus' agenda at that time for them is the exact same agenda he has for us. And that's intimidating because we don't want to do that. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to share it. What we want to do is we just want to kind of live our lives. But God's goal and Jesus' goal for us isn't to live a better life. His goal is not for us to follow him and become better people or become more honest or become gooder. It's the only word that came to me in that moment. (laughs) His goal for us is to follow him and then Go do in the lives of others what somebody did for us. It's not enough to follow. To follow is the fish. They go hand in hand. You don't have one without the other. And this is where we get into that idea that we didn't sign up for this. This might be really new information for some of us. It might be an unfortunate reminder for others. It might be a little bit offensive as well, this idea That God asks us to follow him, not just for us and not for us to become better at who we are, but that he had an agenda for us. And if we're very honest with ourselves, most of us decided to follow Jesus for ourselves, right? For our own reasons. I was saved when I was 10 years old um, and I grew up going to church every Sunday. My mom was saved a little before I was born and my dad not long after. We went to church every Sunday. I don't remember a Sunday we didn't go unless somebody was like deathly ill or we couldn't get out of the driveway because of snow. Otherwise, we were at church. And I heard the message over and over and over again. I went to Sunday school. I heard the message over and over and over again. And as a kid, that message is fairly simplified. When you die, there is a heaven and there is a hell. And you can either go spend eternity after death with God, or you can burn forever. Those are your choices. And as a 10-year-old kid, let me tell you which one you choose. You choose the angel wings and the clouds and the harps and hanging out with God. You stay way away from the sulfur and the gnashing of teeth. It's a really simple decision for a 10-year-old, but it's a selfish decision. I want to clear this up. It's not a bad decision, but it's a selfish decision. It was for me. I did this for a very specific reason. 
we follow Jesus because we get into stuff we can't get out of. We get into financial problems and we don't see any way out of it. We have marriage problems. We have other relationships problems. We have job issues. We have addiction. We have this emptiness in our lives that we can't figure out a way to fill. And we turn to Jesus and we follow him because of it. Again, it's not a bad thing. What Mark doesn't talk about, because he's not into the color commentary, but what Luke records is that those first four disciples did the exact same thing for the same reason. See, Jesus comes out to preach to this crowd and they're pushing on him so much and he's up against the water and they're about to overrun him. And he looks over and there's Peter hanging out in his boat and Jesus steps onto his boat and says, hey, take me a little further out so that I can preach to these people. So Peter obliges because Jesus is now in his boat. And so they head off a little bit offshore and Jesus preaches this great message. And he gets done, he disperses the crowd, he looks at Peter and says, hey, let's go fishing. And Peter is a fisherman and Jesus is not. And Peter goes, look, it's like 11 o'clock in the morning. I've been out all night fishing and I haven't caught a thing. That's the time you're supposed to fish is at night. You don't fish in the heat of the day. So look, carpenter, there's no point to this. I don't see why we're gonna go fish. And Jesus says, let's just go fishing. So Peter, maybe feeling a little guilty because he'd just gotten a free sermon, takes Jesus out a little ways, lets out his net, goes to bring it back up and can't pull it in because there are so many fish. And here comes Andrew and here comes James and John and they all come out to pull this huge load of fish up and the nets are breaking. They pull the fish in and their boats begin to sink because of how big the catch is. And then Jesus says, okay, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You better believe they go on board. And yeah, their dad was okay with it because look at what he had just done. They followed him because of something he had done in their lives. And Jesus said, you know, that's a really good start, but I'm not gonna let you stop there. If you follow me long enough, I'm gonna move you beyond what can I do for you? And I'm gonna move you into a place where you are going to be something that you weren't before. You are going to be a fisher of men. God says, I'm gonna take all the stuff that happens between when you're born and when you die, right? All of this stuff that we constantly strive against and worry about and struggle, and we have fears, and there are good times, and there are bad times, but here's the fun part of all of this. And I don't mean to bring everybody down this morning, but you know, why not? Uh, all of this is really temporary. It affects us. It might affect those we are very closely connected with, but to be very honest, at some point, my financial issues end because I die and there's no one to collect from anymore. At some point, my relationship troubles end because one of us passes away and there is no longer a relationship. And again, I'm not looking at this in all this negative way for a bad reason, but what I want us to see is that this is not the end all of it. If this is, then we're missing a point because this only has to do with us. And God says, I'll take all of this stuff, this temporary, this temporal, the things that happen between your life and your death, and I will give it an eternal value if you will let me. I'll take all that stuff you worry about and I will give it so much more meaning if you'll just give me a chance to make you a fisher of men. God has that ability. He has the ability to take our temporary stuff and to give it eternal value if we let him. And here's how he does it. See, God takes our worries and our concerns and the good times and the bad and all those questions, and he shapes us because of that. 
He gives us this great place where we are perfectly positioned. Each one of us is positioned where we can reach into somebody else's life because of our experiences, our situation, the things we have been through, or maybe the things we're going through right now, where nobody else could really reach that person in the same way. And it's hard for us to see a lot of times, but God says, look, I will use your job. I'll use your unemployment. I'll use your marriage. I'll use your kids. I'll use the fact that you can't have kids. I'll use your divorce. I will use the fact that you're in debt or that you got out of debt or your successes or your failures. I will use any and all of it. God says, I will use it to leverage myself into somebody else's life and give it eternal value because that's where it actually means something. It's important to us in the here and now, but it's important to somebody else in the eternal aspect. And God says, I will use all of that if you will just let me. If you will follow me, you will become a fisher of men. Now, a lot of times we look at this and we don't see the potential of our lives, right? We see the stuff that goes wrong. We see the places we misstep. We see all of the bad in it and we don't really see how that can be used. What we look at is at a person like uh, a Billy Graham, right? Who says the right things in front of thousands of people and you see these flocks just come and they come out of the woodwork looking to follow Jesus. Or somebody like a Craig Groeschel, he's the pastor at Life Church. He speaks to like 20,000 people on a Sunday. Or a Trent Shockey, who seems to always be able to put the right words behind exactly what we're thinking and he's able to present it the right way. We see those people go, those are the people who should be fishing. Maybe not me, right? Because I'm gonna say the wrong thing. I'm gonna have to share some piece of my past that I really don't think is gonna help anybody. I don't wanna be that honest. I don't wanna be that transparent. But God says, if you will follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. I will use that stuff. And over a process and a period of time, not a method, not like this five point, three minute message that you say just right and that convinces somebody, it's a process that I will make you a fisher of men and I will leverage you for somebody's eternity. God wants to leverage what is temporary for someone else's eternity. You are you will continue to be perfectly positioned in somebody's life to influence them. And it is in your job, your neighborhood, your sphere of influence. And you'll be able to influence them in a way that I can't, in a way that the person you're sitting next to can't, in a way that a Trent can't, or a Craig can't, or a Billy Graham can't, all because of the person that you are, because of what you're going through or what you've been through, the fact that you have a relationship with them, the fact that you happen to stop and have a conversation when nobody else would have a conversation with them. God uses all of that to reach people. And here's how I can prove it to you. Think about the circumstances around when you chose to follow Jesus. Think about the person that had a conversation with you or the people who were involved with that. Or maybe you were saved young or, or maybe you went through a time period where you weren't part of what God was doing and you decided to come back. Think about the person who brought you back into faith. Most likely, you had heard the message before. It doesn't always happen this way. Most of the time, you don't hear about Jesus for the very first time from one single person say, okay, I'm on board, that's it for me. It happens, but it's not all that common. You've probably heard the message at least a couple of times before. So it wasn't just the message. It was the message connected with the messenger, something about the person talking to us. Maybe it was their personality. 
the way they talked to us, the life experiences they were going through, but it was the message and the messenger combined with our unique season of life that created that aha moment. That moment where we went, oh, I get that. I get it now. I really want that. That's what I've been looking for. God uses those three things to influence our lives. He uses those three things with us involved to influence somebody else. So it's not just the message. It's the message, it's the messenger, and it's the unique circumstances of that person's life. And he uses it to influence them initially, and he will use it to reel you back in later on. Do you like that fishing reeling in? That was a Trent joke. He's not here this morning, so I apologize, but it had to be thrown out there this morning. Right before I moved to Florida, I was in what I would call my break from God. Um, Now, I was still going to church on a regular basis because that's what you do. You go to church every Sunday uh, in my family. And so I was still going to church and I was kind of, I was stalled in my relationship. I wasn't looking to go deep. I was really just there because I was supposed to be there. I was going through the motions, but I really wasn't, I wasn't looking for a whole lot more. And during that time, I had this really weird feeling that maybe I should move to Florida. And I literally told God, I will go anywhere else, but I won't go to Florida. You can see how well that worked out for me. I will go anywhere. I will do anything. It's not going to be Florida. I'm really sorry. And I just kind of shut it off and I quit paying attention. My parents had moved down to Florida a few years before me, and they would occasionally say, hey, why don't you come on down here? There might be something here for you. No, it's it's not going to happen. I'm not moving to Florida. So I had heard the message a few times. And what it took was a conversation with a friend of ours at Tunde, who it was the messenger and the way that he talked to me about it. We were sitting and talking one day and for whatever reason, God used him and that message and my specific time in life for him to say, hey, have you thought about moving to Florida? And something clicked and I went, oh crap, I gotta move to Florida. (laughs) That's exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. I've gotta go. God used those three to reel me back into where I was supposed to be and to come and find what I was supposed to be doing with him again. But if we're not thinking in those terms as Christ followers, if we're not thinking about that on a regular basis, then we miss that opportunity. If Tunde wasn't paying attention to what God was doing, we might not have had that conversation. It might've been a whole lot longer before I figured out exactly what God wanted me to be doing. And if we're not careful, we end up living our entire Christian lives here to here, trying to be better people, trying to become more spiritual and more disciplined, all of which are good things, but are very temporary. And we miss the point that this can have eternal value. The only way it happens is if we stop and we say, God, use my stuff. Use me. Use my situation. If it's good, if it's bad, if it's everything in between, use that. Show me the opportunity and I will be awake and looking for it. I will be paying attention. I'll be looking for the opportunity to have that conversation with a coworker or with the guy down the street or with a random person on a Wednesday in a Target parking lot and maybe not even be real clear of what's happening, just knowing, hey, I'm supposed to have this conversation with this person right now. We will be ready. So God, make me ready. We have to give him permission to do it. We need to be followers who fish because that's God's desire for us, that we get out of the temporary 
and into the eternal. Let me pause for just a second here. If you're not a Christ follower this morning, if, if the God thing is still new to you, if you're still checking it out, if this is just something you really don't connect with, first, let me apologize to the person who invited you this morning, because this is not the message they wanted you to hear. <laughs> because most likely you're sitting there going, this is why I don't like Christians. This is the entire reason I don't go along with the God thing is because they are constantly trying to shove their stuff down my throat. Now, let me, let me promise you, Nobody here thinks we are better than anybody else. Here's what we do know. We know that we, our lives are better off than they used to be. And there's only one reason why. It's because someone gave us the opportunity to meet our heavenly father through our savior, Jesus. It is the only reason our lives are different than they were before. And because of that, how could we not offer that opportunity to somebody else? When's the last time you ate at a really good restaurant and didn't tell a soul? Never. That has never happened. Last week, we went and saw a friend in Jacksonville. We went to a restaurant called M Shack. It is the best burger I've ever had in my life. It was really good. They've got great, great milkshakes and really good fries. If you're up in Jacksonville around Town Center, um, it's right next to P.F. Chang's. Go to M Shack. And I like P.F. Chang's a lot, but go to M Shack. It's absolutely phenomenal. I came home from Jacksonville. I think I told half a dozen people in like two days about this great restaurant that I had, had, that I had gone to. Not because it was like, ha, I ate there and you didn't. It's because I wanted them to have the same experience. Go check it out. It's fantastic. It's only an hour away. It's totally worth the gas mileage. <laughs> Maybe you found a diet that worked for you. You finally shaved off those five pounds you've been looking to shave off for the last decade and a half. What do you do? You tell everybody about it. Maybe it won't work for them, but you want to give them that opportunity. If you are somebody who takes all of the vegetables and the fruit and the kale, why is it always kale? And you put it into a blender and it turns into this lovely gooey green mess and you drink it. And after a week, you felt like a totally different person. What did you do? You told everybody, whether they wanted to hear it or not. You told them because you felt amazing and you wanted to give somebody else that same opportunity. That's why we fish, guys. And so I promise you, it's not because we think we're better. It's just because we know we are now better off than we used to be. And we want somebody else to have that same opportunity. Now, if you're skeptical of that whole idea, or you're a Christ follower and you're going, yeah, that, that doesn't sell me. We serve this amazing, amazing God, big and just and way up in the sky. So why don't we just leave it up to him to figure all this out? I want to encourage you, come back next week because next week we look at the why behind the what. We look at why God says, if you follow me, then I'm going to teach you how to fish. There's a reason for it. So come back next week and check out this story with us. Now, before I let you guys go this morning, I'm gonna do what you guys love. I'm going to give you homework. Aha! <laughs> Most of the time, I think everybody takes the homework and goes, I'm out, I'll see you guys later. So this week, it's really easy. I want you to go find 10 different people and look them in the eye and say, I love you and Jesus loves you. I'm not gonna make you do that. I just watched half of the room go, I'm out. See you later. I promise you don't have to talk to anybody this week for the homework, okay? Um, here's what we're going to do. I want you to do this, and then we're going to go through this exercise for two reasons. One, I want us to all remember that at one point or another, we were all fish. 
right? We didn't walk into the situation without somebody coming to look for us. And two, I want everybody here to remember how grateful we are for the person who fished for us. So this week, go home, take 10 minutes of your day and write a letter to the person who fished for you. You don't have to send it. You don't have to call them up. Write it for yourself. Write a letter to the person who showed you what a a relationship with Jesus could look like, who invited you to come to church, who handed you a CD or a book and said, hey, check this out, who had a conversation with you. So I wrote a letter this last week. I'm not going to read it to you, but I wrote a letter to my mom because even though I had heard the message time and time again, it was my mom who was constantly pointing our entire family to Jesus. No matter what was going on, our eyes were always shifting that direction because of her. And God used her in my life to influence me and make the decision to be a follower of Jesus. And I am where I am today because of that. And as I wrote that letter, I was extremely grateful that my mom took the opportunity to fish for me. If you're a parent and you're a parent with young kids, I really wanna encourage you, don't miss that opportunity. While their hearts are soft and they haven't had the world come in and make everything tough and make it really hard to make a change, take the chance to fish for your kids. It's an amazing opportunity. All right, here's the entire point of today and I'm gonna let you guys go. Whether you realize it or not, you are perfectly positioned in somebody's life to fish for them. Your life experiences, your personality, your situation, you are set up by God to fish for somebody in a way that nobody else can. And if we're not looking for those opportunities, we sleep right through them. We miss the meteor shower. It slips right by. But if we take the time And if we're open and we say, God, use me, use my stuff, find a way to leverage yourself through me, then we will have this amazing experience of fishing for somebody else. We'll get out of the temporary, right? We'll get out of this whole thing about the Christian life, guys, it's not about this. As important as these things are, our lives are not about what happens between here and here. Our lives are about using what happens in those times to affect somebody's eternity. It doesn't get much more important than that. And I would so much rather be fishing than living a mundane life that is concerned about nothing but the temporary. So guys, let's choose this morning to follow and to fish. Let's pray together and then we'll go. God, I I know that this entire concept is intimidating, that it can be offensive. God, that we wanna pretend like it doesn't exist, that it's somewhere in the fine print that we just don't have to worry about but our lives are meant for so much more than just the 70 or 80 or 90 years we have here on this earth, God. It's meant for eternity. And so is everybody else's. 
God, I pray this morning that you would use us to change somebody's eternity, that you would use us to have a conversation, to be an example, to shine a light, to invite somebody on a Sunday morning so that they can hear the message they need to hear, whatever it is, Father God, show us those opportunities and let us be open to being part of them. And Father, I pray that you would get us out of the way, that we wouldn't be worried about whether it sounds good or it sounds bad, whether our life is full of junk or whether we wish we had somebody else's story, but God, that instead we would just be ready to be used by you. And because of that, lives will be changed and relationships will be created. Help us, Father God. And Lord, I just pray that as we go this morning, God, that we would be changed by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, thank you so much for being here this morning. I hope you have a wonderful week. Come back next Sunday. We'll see you later.